You're listening to the Power of a Cookie podcast, episode number five. Welcome to the Power of a Cookie podcast. See how cookie decorators are using cookies to make the world better, one cookie at a time. We're here today with Bernie David. This is so wonderful. I met her at CookieCon. I've heard so many wonderful things about her, and I am so glad that she worked it out in her busy schedule all the way from India to be here with us. She works at Tender Hands, and she's going to tell us a little bit about what they do and how they help women. Hi, Bernie. How are you? Hi. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Well, good morning to you. Good night to me. So yes, yes, that's right. For those of you that don't know, it's like really, really early for Bernie and it's really really late for me but that's okay we are having a ball (laughs) we are we are definitely so I met you at cookie con just briefly I was working with Callie and I think I was helping her fold t-shirts over there by truly mad plastics booth with Sharon and uh you walked up I can't remember who you were with were you with annual works yes I was I love I love Anne. She is absolutely precious. And so we met briefly. And then after CookieCon, when I told people I was going to be doing the podcast, so many people told me, you have to get Bernie. You have to get Bernie. So tell me why. I know why. But tell me why (laughs) they were telling me that I needed to get you on the podcast. Uh, Well, that's very sweet of everyone. Um, So we have the privilege of helping underprivileged women. teach them a new skill, a vocation. Um, and we use, we are a classic American bakery based in Bombay, India, which is officially known as Mumbai. Mumbai. And we, yeah, Mumbai. That is so our, fun to um, say. <laughs> and Bombay, they're both fun. And Bombay, yeah, I like those names. <laughs> yeah. So Tender Hands, which is the name of our charity, uh, trains the girls. Um, the girls are recommended to us from our partner charities. So they decide which girl's ready to walk out that front gate and learn a new trade. And um, we teach them classic American baking, which might be apple pies or fondant cakes. And then probably about three years ago, I got really serious about cookies or tried to get really serious. (laughs) And uh, we've started the whole cookie decorating venture with them. Um, And you know what? One thing I will say specifically about cookies is they can put on their music and they go into this zone and it's just really healing for them. Yeah. Um, they just kind of check out and, you know, as they're, as they're with us longer, then they get into that creative part um, and they get to start picking colors and whatnot. But so I jumped ahead. So then, so our, our charity <laughs> does the training, <laughs> does the training. And then once they've completed our training program, we always want to be able to offer them a job. Um, so we only train as many girls that we can hire, and then they're hired into our social enterprise, which is called Spring Street Bakery. India makes it a little complicated. You can't have what you would ha- what you would traditionally have in the U.S. as a nonprofit. Um, in India, they keep it separate. You can only re- have a charity that receives donations um, and does not pay taxes, or you have a business that can pay taxes. So that's why we have to have two separate entities. Which is good because you found a way to help, even though you know those those. I don't know, those rules are there. So this is really good. So uh, first thing I want to ask is how many girls you guys work with at a time? Because all these pictures that I see of you guys and everything, there's multiple women there with you. So how many can you like help at a time? So we usually try to have four to six girls because we anticipate we're going to lose at least one or two. Um, You know, they just find it's not for them. It's too, you know, too long hours or standing on their feet or, you know, whatever it may be. 
Um, so we try to have at least four, uh, four to six. Um, and we had one girl that her father passed away and she had to leave for six weeks because she had to go back to her village and do all the formalities. So wow. it's a little, yeah. So you just don't know what randomly is going to come up. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And, and how many of them actually live close to you? Are they from, you know, like out, outlining areas or mm-hmm. are they where you live or how does that work? Yeah. So we have, so that's the, the challenge in Mumbai because um, getting around town is difficult. So we have a couple girls that are close by. Most of the girls live outside of, um, out the, way out, way out in the suburbs because housing is more affordable. So the, some of the, they call them shelter homes um, or women's shelter uh, are on the outskirts. So they would commute to us. So some of them, we had one girl that would commute an hour and a half in one, one way oh, to man. come. Yeah, on the train. So where so they stay in these shelter homes. Like first of all, let me let me back up just a little bit. How do the girls get referred to you? How do you all end up loving these women and helping these women? So they so we have a you know relationship with about 15 to 20 charities that are we consider our partners. So the that charity is the one that goes in um, and either does the rescuing rescuing of the girls from human trafficking or if a girl come in uh, run away from a forced marriage, and they oftentimes in the village, they just jump on a train and they land in Bombay. And you can see the deer in headlight look when they get off the train. Um, so there's charities that are there to get them off, you know, to pick them up before somebody else picks them up. Um, or you have unwed mothers that um, end up at these charities or widows. So then the charity, if it's a good charity, then they do a lot of they start the healing process, um, finding out their story, doing some counseling. It could be a one to three year process before they're even ready to walk out the gate, you know, to come for a vocational training. So we're dependent on them. We have we have some relationships that where we have girls that would come directly to us. But we do try to work with other charities because we're good at baking and cookie decorating and cake making and all of that. We can't do the counseling and um, the some of the English training. We do a little bit, but we can't do the more strenuous stuff. Because we're good at running a business and providing a job for them. And what we've learned over the years is we need to stick with that and not try to be the end all for everybody, um, but do our part and do it really well. So when you say that you guys are the bakers and you teach them to bake, you know, pies and cakes and cookies and all this stuff, are there other charities out there that teach them other skills or? There, yeah, there sure are. So, the, so that's one thing we realize um, is it's so the common thing is either to make traditional jewelry or tailoring classes. Um, there are some good jewelry makers that make you know more contemporary stuff than I think they do really well. But some of the traditional stuff, it's just basically bead making. And you know, and some of these girls need that. You know, just take this red color bead and put it on a string. Um, but it's not. Um, I don't know. It's not. There's not a lot of options for them. So we try to be that unique option. We actually go into the, some of the shelter homes or some of the charities and do a cupcake demonstration, or I take my airbrush and my stencils. And have them, you know, practice, learn how to do it. We just did one actually with a charity two weeks ago. And it's just showing the girls there's something else out there for you. It's different. Um, you got to be a little creative. 
um, if you want something else than tailoring and jewelry making. I just think that's great because, you know, I think all of us, I mean, I can't wait to get a cookie cutter. I just got some of <laughs> Sweet Sugar Bell's new Halloween, <laughs> you know, cookie cutters. I'm actually doing a giveaway today on the blog. So this podcast is going to miss that. I'll try to do another one for everybody. But I love taking taking a cookie cutter and tracing it and seeing how many different things that I can get because, I mean, it just does something to my mind. It just, it's really relaxing and it's creative and you have an outlet so I think what you're doing with the cookies and the cakes and stuff like that the girls I mean the sky's the limit for them absolutely absolutely and they really enjoy it and that's good so how do they go from like when you train them when they're there with you guys how long are they there with you guys is there like a two week a six week or I mean like what kind of process Mm. do they go through Sure. It's eight months. Uh, see, that's so wonderful, start- though. I mean, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Because of the, the language barrier, and we don't know their ed- education level, and not everybody in India speaks the same language. Um, it, uh, English actually ends up being your common language. So a lot of the girls um, have come from different parts of India, especially if they've been trafficked, um, or if they've run away from a forced marriage or if, uh, abusive family. So they, they mean, so different, so it's like Maine speaks one language and Florida speaks a totally different language. Okay. So if you've moved around the country, the country, you don't know that you, you, and and even the script is different. So the the letters and the swirly, I call them swirly letters are (laughs) completely different language. Yeah. So that's one thing people don't, um, maybe not realize about India is there's like 16 official languages. Wow. So, um, wait, I forgot your question. Oh, like, yeah, so it's eight months. Yeah. How long are they there? (laughs) I forgot it too. Yeah. <laughs> so we start with, because of the language barrier, um, and it takes, everything's taught in English with a translator. So the idea is that they slowly start to learn the English terms, but we have to make sure they understand it. So we have to start with food hygiene, food safety, what to do if there's a fire, don't run with a knife, um, you know, pick up, clean up spills on the floor. So we have to start at a very basic level and make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, and so everybody else is safe. Um, and then how to handle food and the temperatures of the fridge. So and one concept that's really hard for Indians, or I find these girls, for them to understand is the freezer fridge. So they think if, it, if, it's, good, if it's good in the fridge, it's got to be even better in the fridge freezer. So they put eggs in the freezer. <laughs> they put yogurt in the freezer. I'm like, no, no. you can't do this. So you really have to, you, yeah, it's, it's exhausting because you got to... You got to walk around them for a while and make sure that, you know. We need to make you a sign, you know, no eggs and put on the freezer yeah. door and eggs in here. Exactly. I can't imagine exactly. making cookies or anything with a frozen egg. That would be, oh, bad news. Exactly. Right. So we have, so we start at a very basic level and we only do about an hour to two hours in the morning because they can really only take on so much, especially with the language barrier. Yeah. So, um. So it takes a long time. And then the rest of it's just hands-on, shadowing, following the girls, um, you know, keeping the bakery clean. So, And then the first thing we do start is uh, sugar cookies because it's it's easier for a girl just to cut out the cookie. Here's the cutter. Cut it out. Here's how you roll out the dough. And then eventually move on to cakes and then buttercream cakes and fondant. Now, when the girls come into you, do all the girls, like you said, okay, let's say you had four or five or six. So do they all come in together at the same time so they're all on the same level? Or are they at different stages through this process? Oh, no, they all start at the same time. So that's going to be easier for you. Right. Because then you're just teaching them instead of just, I can't imagine the different, 
you know, difference in the eight months, some of them, they are four months, some of them, they are brand new. That would be really hard to manage. So, okay. So where do you get, like, I know here, I, everybody knows I live in the middle of the woods. And if I go to buy supplies, then I'm going to drive, you know, to Knoxville, which is probably about an hour and a half to two hours away where I need to go get my stuff, which it's an all day trip by the time I do it, but that's fine. You know, I enjoy it and I go, where do you get your supplies? That's like, I'm sitting here thinking yeah. butter, flour, sugar, eggs. I mean, cookie cutters and baking cups. And I mean, where yeah. do you get your stuff? Uh, so two things. My husband's a rock star at finding things for me. So um, we in the beginning, him. We, we, we do. He's the go-to. He's everybody's go-to guy. That's so awesome. So he's the one that gets called. So I happen to marry a very talented go-to guy. That's fantastic. So, um, yeah. So we've, when we developed our menu, it was all things I could get locally. And India is amazing for how much stuff they grow and they have. It's not like Africa where there's maybe, you know, a famine or a drought. Yeah. India's got, India's got most of it. So the one thing I cannot find that's affordable is molasses. Um, and I can't get uh, corn syrup, but I can use liquid glucose. <laughs> so a couple things we've had to change. Um, and then I do have one funny story. So the first time I ever made an apple pie after we were married and I was going to show him, you know, the quintessential American dish. And I said, I need a little bit of nutmeg. So he goes, you need nutmeg. I said, yeah. So I showed him a picture. This is what I need. He found the, the word in Hindi and he comes back and he actually has the nuts. But I've never seen the nut because I'm the American girl that went to the grocery store, you know, and bought the McCormick jar that was already ground. I said, that's not nutmeg. Because no, the guy promised me this was nutmeg. I said, that is not nutmeg. <laughs> nutmeg, honey, is where you pop the top and you shake it in. <laughs> exactly. So I call my mom and she's like, darling, that is nutmeg. <laughs> like, oh my God. So when you ask him for things, you need to be specific and say, I need the processed <laughs> nutmeg. Exactly. Not the original nut from the... fresh spice stuff, yeah. <laughs> that is exactly. so cute. Oh, yeah. he got you <laughs> nutmeg. <laughs> He did. He did. And he's like, I mean, he, once he finds the source, then he'll call a couple other wholesalers and then he'll beat him down on the price. And so, yeah, so he gets everything I need. I, I mean, I can get corn flour, I can get almond flour. Um, wow. A lot of this stuff is natural in India. It's just finding out what the Hindi word is for it. Um, trying to think of something that we got that was, we use it for something else than what they use it for. Hmm, I'll have to think about that one. But cookie cutters, I cannot get. So every year, every time I come back from the U.S., I have a huge, huge trunk of my cookie supplies, um, which Aww. is cookies and stencils <laughs> and, yeah, all of that. They do have some. I mean, cake decorating is really big in India, but not cookie decorating. So they don't have the cookie cutters. They do have the fondant molds and the, you know, sugar lace mats and texture and all that type of stuff, but not, um, not the cookie cutters. Not a good selection. So if... Like, let's say your mother or your friend, the Barefoot Baker, wanted to send you cookie cutters. Is that something that we could possibly do? Or is it hard to ship things? Um, it's hit or miss. Uh, we may or may not get the package. Well, I totally <laughs> so, understand that. Yeah. <laughs> dealing with customs is a little challenging. I keep saying one year I'm just going to get a huge, like, just stock up and get, like, a not a container full, but, like, a pallet full of stuff. And ship it over. 
I just haven't organized that. Well, I'll talk to you after the podcast. Maybe I might try to send a few things over at a time. You know, I've got a lot of duplicate cutters, you know, and I'll try to send you send you guys some cutters. And so, and, and if anybody else out there wants to send anything, maybe um, I'll experiment and see how it goes. And then, you know, I'll let you guys know if we, if this is something that we are successful at or not. Uh, <laughs> very nice. So this is awesome. So, okay. So after the girls go through your training and, you know, your husband brings you wonderful nutmeg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after they go through the training and everything, you say that they work at, and what's the name of the bakery that they go to? Yeah. So our social enterprise is called Spring Street Bakery. Spring Street Bakery. Yep. So see, I can't, I can barely speak English. So <laughs> I don't think I'll be moving and being your neighbor soon. And that's sad because I love you. <laughs> so when they go there, when they go to the bakery, then how do jobs happen? Like how many can they, can they employ there? Or is it something that they kind of outsource and go to different bakeries or different sites? How does that process work? Right. So no, oh, so we're Spring Street Bakery. So we have both entities. Oh. Yeah, yes. they're both are. So we only train as many girls. Sorry. As we, that's okay. We can, we only train as many girls that we can hire. So if we can't hire them, then we don't have the training course for that time. The problem with hiring them, a lot of people say, just hire them and send them out to other places. The problem is, is they need a little TLC. Um, yeah. And, you know, putting them in a big hotel would be overwhelming. And they, they're very vulnerable. Um, they've been through a lot. Um, not that, I mean, some girls have left us and gone and worked at hotels and other bakeries. I and mean, we're, you know, we're not opposed to that at all because then that frees up a space for a new person to come. Yes. But, um, you know, we want to obviously make sure that they land in a safe space that they can really handle, um, especially considering the trauma that they may or may not have gone through. And what are the ages? I know it probably varies, but like, what are the ages of the girls? Most of them are between 18 and 25. Um, we could take somebody that was um, 16 to 18, but that would be an extreme case. That would be a hardship case. We really don't want to, legally, we could take somebody who is young as 16, but we try to avoid that. Yeah. Wow. And so how long have you been doing this? How long has Tender Hands been up and running? Yeah. Tender Hands is almost 10 years old. It'll be 10 years old in wow. November, I believe. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and through this, through the years, through those 10 years, how many girls do you think you've helped? 22. We have 22. So you know exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and how different are they from when they get to you to when they leave? I mean, can you see a visible Absolutely. Difference? I mean, the confidence that they have, um, the, I mean, I think the biggest thing is the confidence and just the pride, you know, you know, when we send out, you know, if you, and you can, if you follow us on Spring Street Bakery, you can see some of the amazing cakes that they make, um, you know, and then I tell them, I would say probably eight out of 10 of our customers sent us an email and say the cake was great. You know, we loved it. And when I come in and I tell them the next day, hey, the customer told me they loved the cake, the smile just beaming with joy. I mean, everybody feels good, right? When you bring the dessert. To oh, the table. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing for them. So when they hear that somebody loved their cake or loved their cookies, they're, I mean, they're, they're over the moon. So that is, that's a huge difference. Definitely a confidence boost. And, and I mean, that's to me, you have picked the perfect niche you know, to help these women and help them, you know, stand back on their feet and do whatever it is that they want to do. So I am just like in awe of you right oh, now. Oh, don't be. <laughs> I am. 
am. I am. I mean, what you're doing is is just so powerful. And I mean, it's just, I mean, I can imagine a girl coming in, like you said, that had not had the best circumstances up front. And I mean, I can see her standing in a corner or standing behind people not wanting to participate. And then when she leaves, you know, she has a job and she can bake cakes for people and people love it. I mean, that's just like... I mean, night and day difference. Thank you guys so much for loving people and doing this. It's it's amazing. It's, honestly, we love it. Uh, we feel like it's an honor and a privilege to do it. Not that we don't have bad days. <laughs> no, <laughs> we all have bad days. <laughs> yeah. We all have moments that you walk in the walk-in cooler and shut the door behind you and think, okay, yeah. I need to chill and I've found a place to chill. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have a walk-in cooler, oh. but I stick my head in the freezer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> here at camp we have a walk-in cooler, and sometimes during summer they're like, "Where we were? We're about to do dishes. Where did Lisa go?" And then I come out of the cooler, and I'm like, oh, "I'm ready." <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's overwhelming, but it's great. It's a great feeling. It's a, it's a great overwhelming feeling. Okay, so um, I want to put some links for you on the podcast. And so Tender Hands is a nonprofit organization, right? Yes, we're a 501c3 in the U.S. Okay, so you have to raise all the money yourself to do this, correct? Correct. And, correct. and how do you normally do that? Just through... The website, do you guys, you know, travel and talk? I mean, how do you do that? Uh, we do, we travel and talk maybe, I, it's mostly me, once every two years. Um, we mostly speak um, in churches or personal friends. Um, so we're actually always open to come in and share. Um, and then most of our donations are individual donations. Um, we've had some, you know, a few corporate donations, but those are hard to come by and they take a lot of paperwork. Yeah, <laughs> so a lot it's of mostly local. Yeah, it's mostly personal individual donations. And so I noticed on Tender Hands that you have a, a button on there, like where we can donate. So absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to link to that page on the podcast, and and anybody out there that's listening, I mean, it, can could you imagine just you know taking your whole life and doing what Bernie and her husband are doing? I mean, just helping people get back on their feet and teaching them a skill that will go with them through the rest of their life. I mean, this is just like, I, you're, you're melting my heart because I mean, I, I know how hard it is. And like I said, my husband and I work at a camp and, you know, we focus on fundraising, you know, for kids and helping inner city kids come to camp. So I do know the struggles of fundraising and you do what you have to do, but to do this, if you guys feel any love in your heart and you want to share and, you know, send some money to them and maybe, I don't know, we hope we can get some cookie cutters. So I want to try my best to get some cookie cutters over there to you. But I'll put all that information on the website so or on the podcast so that way you guys can you guys can find it. Um also is there any place that we can follow you? Do you have an Instagram? We do. So then we have so our business part of it uh, is called Spring Street Bakery. I mean our dream one day is that the bakery is sustainable to run the project, but unfortunately we're not there yet. Uh, we still rely on donations, mostly because the training is the most expensive part. I mean, you, you got to think about when you usually hire somebody, you look at their resume. Do they have the skills that you need? Well, we're not looking at resumes. We're looking at the girl's heart. And, you know, is she willing to learn? Does she have an open mind to try something new? That's her resume. 
And if she is, you know, we may spend six months training her and then, you know, all of a sudden she'll just take off, you know, like, you know, for various reasons. Um, so then we've spent six months and we pay them. So they, they receive money from day one. That's one, one important thing I should mention because they need to receive income that some of them need to send money home to help their mom pay for medicines or to help, you know, educate a, a sibling. So from day one, we pay to train them. <laughs> so that's expensive. So then Facebook, we have two accounts. We have Tender Hands India. Um, and that, that's where we put all of the charity stuff. You can see the girls' progress as well. They're training. Um, and then Spring Street Bakery is the business once they've completed the training that they're hired into. Well, that is awesome. I can't wait. And Bernie has been nice enough to give me some pictures to use on the podcast. So you guys are going to see some of these amazing women with their cakes and cookies and all of them seriously look over the moon happy. I mean, when, when she sent, when you sent it to me, I opened the email and I was looking at the pictures. I thought this is perfect. I mean, this, if a picture's worth a thousand words, these pictures are worth a thousand words. So I am so, so excited. So, so is there anything that you personally personally need? I can't, again, I can't speak English. I'm sorry. So is there anything that you need that we can help you do? Is there, you know, anything you can think of? Uh, I can't think of anything. Well, but, um, I'm always so focused on what, what we need for the charity or for the business. Um, no, I, I mean, I have to say, you know, Anne from Flowerbox Bakery and Hillary from Cookie Countess are immensely generous they are so i mean they're they're my cookie friends (laughs) that are just you know and you know and that's a big boost when i'm over here in india and we've had a really bad day and some of these stories of these girls is just horrific you know and i'll get an email that you know i'm sending you some stencils or you know and you know sending me supplies it's just it's it's a boost yeah (laughs) so i'm extremely grateful you know that you know you don't feel like you don't feel all alone you know, you know, there's, I mean, you, we all know the cookie challenges we have. Can you imagine doing it with the language barrier and then a girl that's gone through a lot of trauma and is having a bad day and, you know, it's, it gets a little dicey sometimes. Yeah. But you know, I mean, let's say they're having a bad day and you're having a bad day and then you open a box of stencils and cutters and stuff. I mean, that's got to make you feel yeah. good that people so far away are thinking about Absolutely. you, you know, way over there. So I think that's great. And I want to be on that list of people who provide you with stuff. So I, I seriously want to provide you with lots of things. So if you can think of anything that you need, let me know and I'll put it in the podcast. But again, I'm going to link to um, Spring Street Bakery. I'll link to that. And I will also link to Tender Hands India. And we can, you know, I'll put the link on there where if you guys want to send some love or donations or whatever it is that you want to send, we'll be sure to shower Bernie with, you know, all the love from the cookie world here in the United States. Because when you think about the power of a cookie, I mean, I've just sat here and you have totally blown my mind with what you do with the power of a cookie. And I know you're using cakes and pies and all that, but, but what you're doing is just like, I mean, seriously, you're changing lives with butter and sugar and eggs and making a huge difference for these women. And I thank you for that. I mean, really, you just, you have no idea how many people you're reaching out to and touching with what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Mm, you. It's humbling. Yeah. Right. When you think you have problems, (laughs) you hear some of these stories, you're like, I don't have problems. Yeah. I don't have, you know, no, I mean, seriously, I, 
and and I know a few of the stories, but you know, that's just what you're doing is amazing. Thank you. And and your husband, he's right there with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Doing all that. So totally a family thing. So, okay. So I think we're going to wrap it up today. And Bernie, thank you so much for being our guest. You are awesome. And again, everybody, be sure to check out the links below because I will put everything down there that we need to know. So thank you. Thank you guys for listening to the Power of a Cookie episode five. I'll see you back in two weeks. Thanks for listening to the Power of a Cookie podcast at thebarefootbaker.com.